next week on Broken Potholes, be sure to tune in Welcome Saturday, to 3 p.m. We're going to have Cynthia. Oklahoma Senator Cynthia James Hyatt is a Republican, executive consultant, Republican and life Senator management now in the state coach. of Arizona. Cynthia Hyatt like uses her, her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge <laughs> services through Broken executive potholes, life coaching, Saturday consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm going to be talking to you today about self-care. So I know we've talked about this before, but somehow it just, it was very impressed upon me, I think, by God that we need to really revisit this idea of self-care, especially now that we have this COVID virus and people are really struggling and nervous and worried and afraid. And so what we want to do is we want to, want to really understand what self-care really means. And self-care is not self-indulgence unless maybe sometimes you need to be indulged. But it's not a life of indulgence. So self-care really means taking care of you. And, and this is one of the hardest things to do. I know, I know it is for me. I would rather take care of everybody else than myself. And so I titled this show, Take Care of the One He Died For. And I want you to really think about that. Imagine if you were in a catastrophic event and somebody lost their life so that you could live. Let's say a fireman or a police officer. Or just someone on the side of the road that helped with an accident and ended up getting killed in the process. So think about what it would be like if you really did owe someone your life. Now, we owe Jesus our life, but we don't really think of it very often. But we do. So we want to make sure that one of the ways that we honor anyone that has fallen on our behalf is to live the best life possible and to not just ignore the value of our own life. If somebody values our life enough to die for it, then why don't we just want to honor them and take care of it? Now, we take care of little children because they can't take care of themselves. We take care of pets because they really can't take care of themselves. They can do some things, but they really can't go out and get food. So they depend on us to take care of them, and we value them. So what would become of them if we passed away? What would become of our children? What would become of maybe clients? 
customers, neighbors, family, spouse. This is important to recognize that the number one most important thing that you could do is take care of you. And this is why anyone that does any emergency work knows that if they don't take care of themselves, they can't help anyone else. So they work very hard at their health to make sure they are in top condition so that they can do these amazing feats in rescuing people. So we want to make sure that we are doing everything we can to honor the one that has died for us. So I pulled together some scriptures that I really like. And the first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 through 20. And this says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. I mean, that, that's a huge one because I don't know about you, but many times I'm not a big fan of my body. I know it works really hard for me. Every day it, it gets up, it shows up, makes sure that I can get where I need to go, fights off infections I don't even maybe know that I have, is willing to heal very quickly from something that's occurred. And many times I don't appreciate the body that God has given me, and I might fight with it. But this verse specifically says, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. That was the life of Christ. So glorify God in your body. So that means that the better care I take of my body, the more I respect that this body is corporal, it's not eternal, that I depend on this body. Nobody can live on earth without a body. So one of the ways I glorify God in my body is that I take care of it so that it doesn't impede the work that God wants me to do. You see, we have many people that have terrible infirmities, crippled, maybe they're crippled, maybe they have, um, maybe they've been injured, maybe they're blind, maybe they can't hear. We have all kinds of people that have risen above these types of things and have worked really hard to honor God in spite of difficulties their body may have. And then we have the general public who really take for granted our bodies. And we just think, yeah, our body is this. And maybe we get mad at our body because it doesn't look the way we want it to look. And we're more concerned by our body's appearance than we are about its health. Now, see, our, our body didn't necessarily ask to be here. It was created for you and I. So this body that God placed me in was specifically designed by God for me. And one of the ways that I honor my maker is by honoring what he made. So I, am, I really want to be transparent with you. I really am preaching to me as well. I can really take my body for granted. And it takes effort and discipline to take care of myself. Like I said earlier, I would much rather take care of other people. So one of the ways that I honor God is I take care of me. I take care of the one he died for. That his life that he lost for me is not in vain. And that I take seriously his sacrifice so that I may live. 
So let's look at this. How about 2 Corinthians 3.16? And it says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? So let's, let's think about this for a minute. Imagine, imagine you live in your house and uh, God said he wants to drop by. He wants to come and he wants to stay with you for a while in your house. So wouldn't you clean it up? I mean, if you thought that Jesus was showing up at your door in the flesh or God, wouldn't you kind of race around the house thinking, oh, my goodness, I better clean this thing up? Especially when you come to find out that he bought it for you to begin with. So this is where we want to think about how powerful it is, how much peace and calmness and well-being we can give to God simply by taking care of ourselves and taking care and honoring who he loves so deeply. How about this one? 2 Corinthians again, 3.17, not 3.16. It says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So think about that. You know, we, many of us go to church, and what happens if you showed up at church one day and somebody had decimated the building, spray-painted it all over the place, partied in it all night? I mean, wow. How disrespectful would that be? And how sad and painful would it be for you to have to go to church that morning in a temple that had been totally decimated and disrespected? Well, think about how God feels living inside of you. What, what would it be like for him to live inside of you? I, I think sometimes God wants to get out. <laughs> no, because I know inside of me is not always the greatest place for someone to live. I haven't always done a great job. But this has always helped me tremendously when I recognized why self-care is so honoring to God. And why he cares so much about me. He wants to live in my house. He wants to live with me 24-7. He wants to never be away from me. So I really do want him to have a good experience living inside of me. The more I do that, the better my experience is of myself. So let's move on. I have another verse for you. This is Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what that tells me is that I need to talk to God about how to take care of my body. And that it really, I'm not answering to other people. Now, people that love me and depend on me, absolutely there is some answering. If I have clients that are needing to see me and I won't take care of myself so I can't show up for the time that they have, have asked for, that's not okay. But this is what's really important, is that we're not to be conformed to this world. And that means a lot of different things. One, for one, it means maybe I not need to not judge someone for the way they are treating their body. 
maybe they are over tanning, okay? Maybe they have 10,000 tattoos. Maybe they have body piercings. Maybe they won't take a shower. Well, this is where you want to say to yourself, I don't live inside of their body. I don't know what God is asking them to do. That is between them and God. So I can really only judge me as to whether or not I am living in a way that causes God to be comfortable inside of me. That's what I'm living for. How does God feel about living in my house? Well, join me again in the next segment as we talk more about the importance of self-care. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you're just tuning in, I want to make sure that you know you can go to any web, web sorry, podcast server, and the show will be on, uh, on those podcast servers. You can also go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and listen to the most recent show. So I don't want you to miss any of the shows if you're just tuning in or if you can't listen to the show in its entirety. So thank you again also for your presence on social media and just the, the time that you take to listen to the shows and, and to the things that we are posting that are really there for your benefit to really help you and encourage you every day as you are traversing through this life. So we are talking about taking care of you, that you want to take care of the one that Christ died for. And imagine what it means to think about somebody losing their life so you could live. Wouldn't you want to honor them with your life? So as we look at these things, I want you, I want you to look at this particular verse. This is Psalms 139, 13 and 14, and it's really one of my favorite life verses. And it says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Now there's a lot in that verse. What I want you to think about is when it says, You knit me together. You formed the inward parts. So my husband, you know, is an architect. That's what he has done for a living for many, many years in many different types of capacities. So he has really done some renovating in our home, and it is quite spectacular, I have to tell you. The workmanship is unbelievable. So imagine if he was working and slaving day in and day out, making this home beautiful, and I trashed it, or I told him how stupid it looked, or I told him I hated it. I hated all the work that he's done, and I don't like what he's done. Imagine how he may feel and how disrespectful that would be. Simply, even if I don't have a preference for it, I can really honor his, his tenacity. I could honor the energy that he put into it and the time and the sacrifice. So one of the things that you will learn is if you get on board with God, you probably will start liking your body and yourself far much more. Because God is really happy that he created you. 
he doesn't regret it. He may have moments that he's not super happy with you, but he died for you so that you could live and then choose him, hopefully, and live with him for eternity. So let's think about this, that when we are coming against ourselves and we're trashing our body, when we're saying, oh, I hate the way I look, I hate the way I sound, I wish I was like so-and-so, what that means to the creator who puts so much time and effort and thought and love into creating you for a reason. Nobody gets on the planet without God knowing because nobody gets on the planet without being created. So nobody sneaks on the planet. God has chosen to make every single person that has ever been born, ever been conceived, he chose to have that person with him for eternity if they choose him. So this is really important that we recognize that we are his workmanship and we are created for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And that's Ephesians 2, verse 10. So thinking about this self-care idea and how difficult it may be, just as it is for, for you and it is for me, that you wonder why would I struggle so much with caring for who God cares for, right? Why, why so much contempt maybe do we have with ourselves? And how difficult that is many times to really identify and to overcome. And this is, this is about making peace with yourself. This is about full acceptance of self. And remember, acceptance does not always mean agreement. So I accept me 100%. I don't agree with everything. And I'm going to change the things that I can and accept the things that I can't. But all through that process, I'm going to work very hard at not insulting the creator. And and I'm going to work very, very hard at talking to him about what I think may need to be changed or what I would like to change. And I've had these conversations with God before, and it may sound a little bit crazy, but I really have. And there are many things that I went to God and said, I really don't like this and I want to change. And I really am not happy with the way it is, so I'm going to, I'm going to work on changing it. Or I kind of like this thing, even though you don't like it, and I picked it, so I'm not going to change that. And this is where, if you've ever heard my testimony before, God really kind of hit me like on the side of the head with two by four, even though it was still kind of gentle, with Romans 9.20. And Romans 9.20 says, Who are you, O man, to talk back to God and say, Why did you make me like this? Does the clay argue with the potter? No. The creator is making the pot for a certain use. And he had it in mind. And so he says, who are you to talk back to me and say, why did you make me like this? So it was very important for me to reorient myself and to reground myself and recognize that I need some humility in understanding how insulting it is to God when I complain about me. And when I look to the right and the left, and I compare and contrast myself to other people, 
and think they're better than me or think I'm better than them and rank and order all of God's creation. It's insulting to him. So when you think about an artist, I, I think of it musically because I, I love to write songs and I've written many songs and I, I, God really helped me to understand what that, what that meant. That it would be like the song that I wrote that pleased me refused to be played or talked back to me and said, yeah, we don't like how that, that chord sounds, so we think you should get rid of it. Or we don't want to be played because we don't like how it sounds. We're not having a good time. Or comparing one song, comparing itself to another, not having the understanding that I created that song for a particular purpose. It's supposed to sound the way that it sounds. And so this is imperative for you to come to peace with yourself in recognizing you're created for a reason. He knew you before you were formed. He had an idea of you in his mind, and he conceived you in your mother's womb for a specific purpose. We have one life, one life to figure it out. You get one body. We don't get another one. So we want to really take care of the vehicle that we're in. So think about this. How do you feel if you have a friend that won't take care of their car? And they're constantly calling you up to come rescue them. They don't have gas. They didn't put oil. They didn't change the tires. Now they have a flat tire and they don't have a, a one to, to fix it with. We don't want God feeling like this about his creation. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about self-care. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me. And today we are talking about self-care and caring for the one who died for you and caring for the one that others care for and depend on and that it isn't always fun and it isn't always, it doesn't always feel right, but it is a very, very noble and righteous thing to do. That if I take care of me, I take away a lot of worry for others. There have been times in my life when I have, have struggled or been very ill. And it was very, it was very stressful for the people in my life that loved me and depended on me. So many times we don't think we have that much worth and value. And we might listen to the enemy of our soul tell us that nobody notices us. Nobody really cares. We don't really have anything really to offer. And then you recognize, if you've ever gone to someone's funeral, how many people are there. And we wish that the person that passed knew how very loved they were and how important they were. So some of this we have to take as just a step of faith, to just trust that that is the case. And I, I tell clients frequently, when they're struggling with self-value and not valuing themselves, I say, listen, humans are so valuable that if we have a child molester that's on death row and he's going to be executed that day, we sterilize the needles and make it as comfortable as possible because he's human and we value humans, even when they're at their worst. 
If you know anyone that's a fireman, a police officer, any of these people, emergency room workers, they don't judge the person that they're trying to save. They know that life is valuable, and they do everything they can short of losing their own life, and sometimes they do, to value someone they don't even know. So the enemy wants to tell you that you're not noticed, that you're not valuable, that nobody cares, that nobody would even notice, and that you have a right to destroy yourself or not take care of yourself. Because somehow you have enough bad feelings that you think that maybe indulgence is going to make you feel a little bit better. Now, I would love to tell you that indulgence works, (laughs) because if it did, I would teach everybody how to do it. I certainly know how to do it. But it really doesn't work. Indulgence only works if we do it very rarely, and it's a special occasion. But indulgence of our bodies never gives us the feeling of worth and value that we so desire. And the sense of purpose and meaning, that only comes from knowing your creator. And saying to God, okay, if I don't fight with you about why I'm made, then tell me why you made me. What is the point of all this? I've had those conversations with God. When I've said, I, I, I don't get it. I don't even know why you made me. I don't even know why I'm here. And God was so gracious to help me discover that. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily easy. And I did fight some of it along the way. But I can tell you that God knows every single cell in your body. And he planned you. And he was very happy that he made you. And he would love it if you enjoyed yourself as much as he did. That gives a parent so much pleasure. When they see their kids enjoying their talents and gifts, when they see their kids enjoying their life, feeling comfortable in their own bodies, going out and taking on the world, it it gives parents a wonderful feeling to be able to support that person in showing up on the planet, changing the world in whatever small or big way they were intended to do. So I want to really encourage you today, if you struggle with this, to really talk to God about this. And don't be afraid to tell him how you feel. He already knows. He lives in you. And if he doesn't, I I encourage you to invite him to live with you. He's quite a great companion. So it's imperative that you come to terms with you, that you stop fighting with you. See, a divided house is easily conquered. And the enemy of your soul wants you to hate you. Judge yourself. Dislike yourself. Abuse yourself. All these things that feel right, but never work. Because if it did, God would have a whole book in the Bible on how to do self-abuse. Instead, the entire Bible is about not doing that to one degree or another. You are of worth. You are of great value. If you don't know it, I would really recommend and encourage you to ask God very specifically, why did you make me? I'm not happy that I'm here. I don't know why I'm here. Or if you think you know why he made you and it's not working, talk to him about that. I had to do that as well. 
This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about 16 things dogs can teach us about life. Good afternoon. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And if you're just tuning in, I want to make sure you can listen to the show and all the different podcasts that we have in their entirety. We also have study guides for them. If you would like, you can download them from the website, share it with your friends, listen to it with your friends as a group. And, and I really appreciate the feedback that you give me and, and, and my team about how this is helping you. And so we are doing the last segment about self-care and truly caring about the one that he loves, caring for the one he died for, and imagining what it's like if any of you have, maybe there, I'm sure there are some of you out there that know someone has died for you so that you could live, and what that means to you, to know that your life is that valuable because someone lost their life in order for you to live. So this last segment, I thought I'd kind of lighten things up a little bit because you know how much I love animals and they can teach us so many things. And so I came across this article by a, a gentleman named N.J. Rogner and it's 16 life lessons you can learn from your pup. Now, I think cats can teach us too. I also think dogs can teach us and Birds can teach us, and fish can teach us, and whatever. But dogs are so amazing in how they take on life, and how very spontaneous they are, how very friendly they often are, what great companions they can be, and just how intuitive they are, and how much they love to learn their master, right? So if you've ever had a dog, or even a cat, because you know I love to tell you my cat stories, and my cat has really learned my ways and loves to be around me. And it's good for her when she is. So think about the amount of joy you may receive from a pet. It's amazing. And I'm not saying we're God's pets. I'm not saying it like that. I am saying that he created us for a reason. And he loves to be with us. He loves to hang out with us. He loves to hear our thoughts. So what can dogs tell us? Well, there's a lot of different things they can teach us, and, and a lot of it is really with no effort on their part. See, they don't create lesson plans or vocabulary worksheets, but you really can learn from your pet just by watching how they interact with the world around them. So how about this? They enjoy the view, right? I mean, we get so caught up in how amazing a, a movie is supposed to be or a show, and we can get so let down. Where dogs, you know, the passenger seat is a great place for that dog to be. He just likes to sit there next to you, watching the world go by. And so sometimes you just need to stare out the window and watch the world go by. And there is some great research about what it does for the brain. If you will stare at a horizon... And let your brain just calm down. How about this? Enjoy a good belly rub, right? Okay, I'm not saying literally, necessarily. But have you ever known a dog to pass up affection? So I want you to enjoy affection. And affection isn't necessarily sexual. 
So we can touch all kinds of people that we don't even know. We can pat them on the back, shake their hand, smile at them. We can be affectionate in our tone of voice because it calms down mammals. When we look at someone with respect and kindness, we speak with positivity. It's amazing how much they calm down and how much we calm down. So how about this? They get excited when they see you because you're their best friend. So do you give the people in your life a warm hello and a meaningful goodbye? Do you let them see that you love them and care for them and that you're excited that, you're in their, that they're in your life? Now, that doesn't mean we're happy with everybody in our life. For heaven's sakes, humans, we're a lot more complicated than dogs. That's one of the reasons we like them so much. But we can uncomplicate our relationships. And we can be less complicated. And one of the ways we're less complicated, just don't snag on everything, right? It's kind of like I've told you before that some people are like a walking piece of Velcro. They snag on everything, right? It's like, hey, smooth it down. Everything is not a major issue. So let's major in the majors, not in the minors. And dogs do that so well. I mean, they're so welcoming. And they appreciate being greeted, especially with enthusiasm. They do that for us, don't they? So how about this? Make sure you get enough sleep. Now, I am probably one of the worst at this, I will be honest with you. I do not like sleeping very much. It seems boring to me. Even though I know I need sleep, but I'm always glad when I do it. But I have, I have to discipline myself to go to sleep at a decent time and to make sure I get enough sleep. But see, dogs, they don't pull all-nighters or stay up late worrying about deadlines and whether somebody's mad at them. Instead, they sleep when they're tired, and they're typically not too fussy about where they lay their head down. They don't make a big deal about it. They just rest when they need rest. They don't justify it. They don't feel guilty about it. They do what their body needs. How about this? Sometimes, you know, they enjoy the silence. They just, sometimes it's nice and relaxing. They just enjoy the company of you without even talking to you. They just sit next to you, look at you, put their head in your lap, let you pet them, let you talk to them relentlessly, right? And they act like they're listening because they are. They just don't know exactly what we're saying. But it's wonderful the amount of attention and how relaxed and willing they are to just be good company to us. How about this? Show your loved ones how much you care about them. Isn't this one of the greatest things that dogs do? Every single time you show up, they act as if they've never seen you or haven't seen you for months, right? You could have just walked out of the bathroom and they're excited to see you. They're amazing for our self-worth and self-esteem. See, your furry friend, they wear their heart on their sleeves. That's probably one of the things we like most about them is how transparent they are. They're not deceptive in that way. And if they do try to be deceptive, we always know they have that cutest little guilty look on their face, don't they? They make friendship easy. See, all you need to, to become a dog's best friend is have a ball in hand and willingness to get out and play. So don't we need to do that? I know I do. I need to be better about playing. 
and not seeing everything as a task or everything as, as an accomplishment or something that needs to be taken care of, that I can really rest, enjoy the people around me, play some, because work is always going to be there. Always. So the more that I enjoy the moment that I'm in, which is hard for many of us, especially Americans, our culture is not great about being present in the moment. We're always kind of standing there, our body's there, but our mind is already a day ahead. So one of the things that dogs and all animals really teach us is being present. So how about this? Treat yourself. See, a dog gets a treat for a job well done, right? Even if it's a pat on the head, we give him a kiss, we give him a little, a little treat, we give him a little, I don't know, a potato chip or, <laughs> I don't know, a little piece of, you know, beef jerky. They're happy just to get anything. We throw a ball for them. We rub their belly. But we reward them when they do a good job. And we even reward them when they don't. Don't we? We still indulge them, even if they weren't great that day. So they're also loyal. See, dogs are pack animals. And you know I've talked about this before, that mammals, we are mammals. Humans are a mammal. And we need that pack. And they have a strong bond with their fellow canines. In fact, pack mates, they stick together and defend each other. And they don't judge each other. So work on being loyal and devoted and let God do the judging. So they do things that make them happy, right? And they do things that make you happy. So they love to perform for us, don't they? They learn tricks, and they love how happy it makes us when they do their tricks. But they, like, run through fields. They bury bones in the dirt, right? And your dogs, they tend to do things that just make them happy. They're very good at making themselves happy. They don't necessarily depend on others to make them happy. In fact, if someone or some other animal is unhappy, dogs don't take on their feeling and be unhappy. They try to help them be happy. So we should do the same. They also move past their mistakes, don't they? See, they don't let anything bother them for too long. If you scold a pet for misbehaving, maybe he'll sulk, maybe feel guilty for a few moments. Then he gets right back to his old self, right? So you and I need to learn from our mistakes and simply move on. And don't wallow in it. Don't harbor it. Don't beat yourself up for it. Simply learn from it. I, I can't tell you how many times a day I will say to clients, humans learn by mistakes. I wish that we didn't have to have mistakes to learn, but a great majority of our learning process is through mistakes. If you've ever read anything about famous inventors, doctors, they always came up with the solution after several, several mistakes and several failures. So dogs learn from their mistakes. They don't beat themselves up and think they're stupid because they made a mistake. They just try a new way, and they keep trying. So how about this? Any job worth doing is worth doing well. Any job that God has you do, small or big, anonymous or public, 
is worth doing well. See, rescue dogs, when you think about rescue dogs and service dogs, they really touch our hearts because our four-legged friends throw themselves into their work with gusto. Man, when they're called to do something, they want to do it and do it 110%, and they want to please. So we need to do the same. Whatever your job is, whatever your hands find to do, do with all your might. Whatever doors the Lord has opened for you to do, do it with all your might. Do it with gusto. Do it with heart. And even if nobody else is joining in, you can feel good about how you have done your day of work. How about this? Stay hydrated. Dogs are very good about making sure they get water, even if it's, you know, from the toilet, right? And they do spend a lot of time outside. They love being outside. And we know that we should be outside much more often than we are. We miss out on what outside will do for our being. The sun. At night, we see the stars, the trees, the wind. All these different things that we get to experience out in nature that we so many times take so for granted. So I'm so glad that you listened today to the show. I hope it was encouraging, that you felt your heart lift, because we are so, so important to God and so valuable to God and to the world and to people around us. And I want you to be encouraged in knowing that even if you don't feel it, it doesn't make it true. See, I say to people all day, feelings are very real. They're just not always true. So don't believe every feeling you have, especially if it's a feeling that you're not valuable. It's simply not true. Have a great week. Thank you so much for joining me today, and God bless you. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be